Welcome to Memorial. We're glad to have everyone here with us this morning, especially our visitors. We welcome you. We hope you find visitors. We welcome you. We hope you find a place of rest and comfort. It's a very special song to me because one of the ways that I worship the best is through music and singing. And this song is called "How Can I Keep Singing." And this song is called "How Can I Keep From Singing." Anytime you have words.
grandfather passed away this week, and that last line, I can sing with my last breath. Okay, let's sing another one. Your love, O oh Lord.
beside you that you don't know and say how and say Halloween's over take your mask off and children we invite you to come up and join us up front for a few moments moments of sharing Ready? You ready? Okay. 
I've got a special song. You may not want to share it with you, okay? The words of this song say, my God is so big. Can you put your hands up like this? Big, so strong. Can you make strong? So strong and so strong, so strong and so mighty. Now to go like this. There's nothing my God can, okay? And when I was little, I learned this song, and it was been special to me. But when I was little, I didn't quite understand a song that said, there's nothing my God cannot do. I didn't, I got confused with that word nothing, because nothing means nothing, right? Let me show you that word, nothing. I got a piece of paper somewhere. Here it is. This says, there's nothing my God cannot do. But you know what? I got hooked up on that word nothing, and I forgot to look at the word cannot. If there's some nothing my God cannot, it's kind of tricky. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? There's nothing that he can't do. Your man do. What is this big word? Does anybody know that big word? Carson, help us. Everything. That means God can do everything. Okay? So I want, I want, your, I want your help. I want you to sing this song with me. Ready? Okay, help me do the motion. I do big. Ready? We're going to sing. You ready? My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Do it again, do it again. Ready, big. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his. Can you make a big mountain? The rivers are his. Or it's like this. The stars are his handiwork too. No, big. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. You know what my favorite part part of that is? Sometimes when I um, sing that song, I sing this part. And he can do all things through you. Because you know what? God makes all his things in the world happen by using special people just like you. He can make things happen in the world just by using you. Yeah. That's right. That's right. What can? What did God tell you? What did God tell you? Or what did you want to share? He does make everything like the rain and everything. And storms and rain and everything. All right. Good job. Let's say a prayer. Let's close our eyes. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for doing everything for us. There's nothing you cannot do. And help us to remember to do. And help us to remember that means you can do everything. And you do this. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Good job. Oh, it sure is good to see all of you here today. And big crowd. Some new folks. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you new folks with us, and we know where stuff is. Uh, out th- this, this is the, the uh, best door in the house right there, where Andy's standing in front of. Leads, leads, to, re- leads to restrooms, water fountains, and nursery. So that's the way to head. Uh, children's classes, uh, Sunday school classes are in this building at 10 o'clock. Youth classes are in this building also. 
some adult classes here as well. So um, if, if we can help you find your way to a class after this service, we'll be glad to do that. You certainly are invited to stay and, and uh, take part in, uh, in the activities of, of the day. Uh, 11 o'clock, we, we have our traditional worship service in our sanctuary with uh, uh, organ and choir and beautiful music type and style, and we invite you to be present for that as well. Uh, prayer cards, prayer cards. We want to give you an opportunity to share things on your heart and mind today and your concerns. Um, our, um, our ushers have uh, index cards, and if you raise your hand, Please write something down you do not mind me repeating, um, and I will do that, and we will join you in prayer in a few moments. Uh, we're getting to the time of year when we are <clears throat> celebrating um, not only the holiday seasons, but we will, also, we will also be making commitments to the ministries of the church for the coming year. And uh, you'll be hearing from some of our folks in weeks to come as we start making um, plans to uh, make commitments to the work of the, the Lord through our church. I don't know who, Mr. Johnson, do we have anybody today? We don't have any speaker today, do we? Today, do we? Next week. Well, you know, I mess up so easily. I want to make sure I wasn't. Uh, but anyhow, start, starting next week, you'll be hearing more about that. Um, Sick folks this week, um, Kay Gray, who sings in our uh, traditional chancel choir, uh, had another, she'd been sick about two months um, last Sunday night. Um, she had to be rushed into surgery at the local hospital here. Um, uh, she had in, essence, had, in essence, what you would have from a ruptured appendix, except it was intestines that had, uh, that had, uh, that had uh, ruptured instead of appendix. And so she has been in intensive care with all kinds of high-powered antibiotics this week and on a respirator. She is making progress now, but uh, please remember her. This has been real tough on Bob, who really hadn't gotten over his surgeries yet, to be there uh, as, as nursemaid to help uh, with Kay. So remember these in your prayers. Also got a call this morning um, from, from the niece, uh, Robertson, Ms. Robertson used to own and live in the Rock House. Ms. Robertson died yesterday morning, and her funeral will be on Tuesday at 10.30 at Woodlawn at the Mausoleum. So some of you um, perhaps knew her from some years ago. She was quite up advanced in years. So uh, remember this family in your prayers as well. Uh, other announcements today? I'm getting a nod. Terrific. Youth activities as usual today. Raise your cards if you are ready to, uh, to have them collected. And our ushers will. Um, Andy reminds me that we want you to put on the calendar. You'll be getting more and more. 
A lot of wonderful special music coming up, most of them on Sundays. Uh, children's programs, most of them on Sundays. Uh, children's programs, the 30th, the first Sunday of December. Uh, the Chancel Choir has a program on a Sunday morning. Uh, the Ringers, uh, Handbell Ringers will have a special program on a Sunday morning. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to squeeze in a little preaching time somewhere. 20th, uh, which are evenings, Friday night uh, and Saturday night, we will have once again a, in a, the praise band in their Christmas concert. Uh, do we, Andy? Seven o'clock both nights. We hope that you will make plans to be here one of those nights. We would appreciate that. Any other prayer cards? Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank the first of November reminds us of an ancient holiday that was incorporated into your church and that of All Saints Day, remembering those who've lived among us and who have died in the faith, whose examples of the faith in life we saw and we learned more about you and about the ways of Jesus by watching how they lived. For the for the saints, we give you great thanks. Now whisper in our hearts and on our lips the names of ones that we love who are now with you in eternity but whose memory is very much with us and they inspire us for daily living still. O oh Lord, impart to those saints this day our love and appreciation for their gifts to us. Here are our special prayers for this day. We pray for those whose businesses are closing and who need jobs. We pray for a child struggling in school. We pray for our nation and uh, that our hearts are in the right place. We pray for Mabel Reed who is under the care of hospice. We pray guidance for a family making an important and difficult decision. We pray for Dwight Bertram recovering from kidney operation and for our nation's leaders. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We lift up with thanksgiving Dave Reveal who attended this service who is now a part of your eternal kingdom. We pray for a co-worker's husband that is battling lung cancer. We pray for the sale of a small business. We pray for a daughter who is having serious mental problems. We pray that you would be with our nation this week and that we remember that you are the sovereign Lord. We lift up Mike Berg and his fam and Liz Farley, Gracie Floyd and Joyce Childers. We pray for Kelly's cousin Amanda Mills, whose father has passed away. We're grateful for our friendship built on faith. We pray for youth on their upcoming trips. 
We pray for a speedy recovery and healing for Kay Gray. We pray for our local, state, and national elections that godly leaders would be chosen. We remember the promise of scripture that when we humble ourselves and seek your faith, you will hear from heaven and heal our land. These are our prayers through Jesus who taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's great to have Bill Clute bringing our morning message for us. I will introduce Bill as one that is uh, he has to wear a mask every day of the year except Halloween. Did he just make a joke? <laughs> if he did, if it was a good one, you better mark this date down. Good morning. On December 26, 2004, an earthquake in the Indian Ocean triggered a massive tsunami that hit 11 countries. When it was all over, more than 225,000 people were dead. On August 29, 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana and Mississippi. The storm caused massive flooding, and when it was all over, more than 1,800 lives were lost. In April 2005, my next-door neighbor didn't see his two-year-old little girl in the driveway and backed over her. A couple of months ago in this service, we heard David Rogers talk about looking through the hospital bassinet at the last moments of his infant son's life. These events tug at our emotions, and in the aftermath, many questions are asked. How do we move on? How can we make things better? And where was God? That last question is what I'm going to focus on this morning. Where was God? If he loves us, how could he allow this to happen? When we look to the Bible for answers on suffering, we often find ourselves in the story of Job. In fact, Job actually means, where is the father? In the story we find Job, a man that is rich both in family and material, and is very devoted to God. Here we find the first mention of Satan in the Bible. In what seems to be an odd situation, Satan and God are together in a celestial court. God asks Satan if he's considered his servant Job. There's none other like him on earth. Satan challenges God by saying, it's only because he's so rich that he's so devoted. God accepts that challenge and tells Satan he could do whatever he wishes to Job as long as he doesn't touch him. In what seems to be one sweeping motion, Satan wipes out all of Job's riches. He kills his children and all his animals, which make up most of his wealth. Job doesn't flinch. Although he's clearly mourning his losses, he continues to praise God. Satan then approaches God a second time and gets permission to touch Job as long as he doesn't kill him. Job is then inflicted with incurable boils from his head to his toes. Upon seeing this, Job's wife advises him to curse God and die. Job responds by asking, 
Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Job has three friends that assume that Job or his children have done something wrong. They advise him to turn back to God and tell him his children had it coming. Job, in all his misery, begins to wish that he was never born. He never turns away from God, but he does begin to ask why. Charles Templeton, the former evangelist turned atheist, wrote, A loving God could not possibly be the author of the horrors we have been describing, horrors that continue every day, have continued since time began, and will continue as long as life exists. It is an inconceivable tale of suffering and death, and because the tale is fact, is in truth the history of the world, it is obvious that there cannot be a loving God. We can summarize Templeton's statement in the following steps. One, God is all-loving and all-powerful. Two, God's creations suffer. Three, a loving God would not allow them to suffer. Four, therefore God does not exist. Or as some others would argue, God is all-loving and all-powerful and controls the world. Tragedies happen in the world that cause death. Anyone that has all power and doesn't stop these deaths is a murderer. Therefore, God is a murderer. Let's look at that second scenario first. We believe that point one is true. God is all-loving, powerful, and in control of the world. We know that point two is true. There is tragic death. What about points three and four? To answer those, we need to talk about murder. I think we would all agree that murder is wrong. But have you ever thought about why murder is wrong? I think if you ask most people, they'd say murder's wrong, well, because it's murder. It's just wrong. But that's making a circular argument. It's using itself to try to prove itself, and we need to do better than that. When someone murders another, he is taking someone else's life. It's wrong because he's taking something that does not belong to him. It's that simple. In most Christian churches, suicide is also believed to be wrong. Why? Because it's also a case of someone taking something that does not belong to them. In Luke 20, we are told the story of when Jesus was asked if it was right to pay taxes to Caesar. Jesus asked his questioners to show him a coin and then ask whose image is on it. They reply, Caesar's, and Jesus tells them, give to Caesar those things which belong to Caesar and give to God those things which belong to God. So what belongs to God? Those things that have his image on them. Genesis tells us that we are all made in his image. His image is on us. Every life belongs to him. That's why murder's wrong. The murderer is taking something that belongs to God. But is God a murderer? No. He's not taking anything that doesn't already belong to him. Only he can create life, and only he is permitted to take it. It's like if we had built a sandcastle on the beach. If we tore it down, no one would think anything of it. But if someone else came along and kicked it down, we would object. So points three and four turn out to be false. God is not taking something that doesn't belong to him. God is not a murderer. Well, let's go back to the first scenario. I think we all agree on points one and two. God is all-loving and all-powerful. And God's creations often do suffer. Is point three a true statement? I'm going to suggest that it isn't. Often we hear some corners of Christianity say that those that are suffering are getting payback from God for their actions. These people are similar to Job's friends. It's a daring stand to take, and we need to be very careful when we hear someone speaking for God as if they are a modern-day prophet. It's unlikely that they are. In fact, if you did some research, I think you would find out that most of these people work for nonprofit organizations. 
It's uh, to play on words there. Prophet, two words that sound alike, spell differently. It's a homophone. Prophet. Think, think about it. Okay, Arthur will be back for the jokes a little bit later. In John 9, we find Jesus addressing the mindset of these modern-day prophet wannabes. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, we might read that and think, it's awfully arrogant of God to use this man's life just to display himself. I don't think that's the case, though. I think there's more to the story. I often compare God's relationship to mankind with the parent-child relationship that we all experience. There are times as parents that we allow our children to risk some pain in order that they may, <clears throat> in order that they may learn. When children are first learning to walk or ride a bike, we know that at some point they're going to fall and get hurt, but we allow it to happen. Now, that doesn't mean we don't love them. We could hold their hand every step of the way, but they would never learn anything. But once they do learn to walk or ride a bike, a whole new world opens up to them. Athletes often put themselves through difficult training that to us and often to them seems to be suffering. They do this to reach something greater, the championship that they believe would make the suffering all worthwhile. When I was in high school, I was on the cross-country team. We would train in the hot South Florida sun every afternoon. I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was torture. On some days we would just run five miles, on other days we would run what the coach called one-mile sprints. Race day wasn't much better. There was no crowd to cheer us on, no band, no reporters, no cheerleaders, only the coach. We would start at the sound of the gun and then 15 to 20 minutes later in 3.2 miles, we'd be right back where we started from. I remember one race, it started raining. We got to the finish line, nobody was there. The coaches all went off to the bus and were enjoying a Happy Meal. And now that I think about this, this, this really wasn't a very good example. We, we didn't win a championship, weren't even close. I can't think of any good reason to run cross country. But I know some of you enjoy running, so before I destroy your dreams, let's, let's just move on. Yeah. Let's stick to walking and riding a bike. Of course, comparing learning to walk or ride a bike to the suffering and death that happens in this world is a big leap. But we can see that if it is at all plausible, that after the suffering and death, there is a good that overwhelms the bad, that is to say, a greater good, then point three is a false statement. A loving God can allow death and suffering to take place in this world. In fact, we wouldn't even have a meaning for joy if suffering didn't exist. <clears throat> it's like defining wet without dry. Do you think a fish knows what it means to be wet? No. Without knowing that there's a dry, the fish has no standard to compare it to. Being wet is all they've been exposed to. They don't know that there's anything different. You'd never see a fish rubbing on skin lotion saying, I, I feel kind of dry and scaly today. He just doesn't know what it means. No, we can't know joy without knowing suffering. No, don't take it personal, Joy Hudson. In the story of Job, we see that in the end, God gave him double of what he had before. It does appear that there was a greater good for Job but what about situations where people not only suffered, but died? We don't know what God has for us beyond this life. Our finite minds can't comprehend the wisdom of an infinite God. 
It would be great if someone that we knew had, that had suffered in this life and died could come back and tell us if there is a greater good on the other side. Maybe we do have just one example. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And now words of hope for the greater good, first from Matthew, then from Revelation. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for they know that, I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I'm going to close this morning with a few words from a song made popular by, popular by Garth Brooks. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. It's titled The Dance. Yes, my life is better left to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. The only part I would change is that our lives aren't left to chance. Our lives are left to grace. And by that grace, we can make it to the dance. At this time, would the ushers prepare for this morning's offering?
stand with me as we together affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
forth in peace, aware that when difficulties come your way, God has not abandoned you, but he has given you an opportunity to grow and grow stronger and to grow in faith. May we go forth in peace. Amen. Have a great week.